Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to another episode of Shaman Dorsh from Shoshim Yom. Today is the eighth day in our quest, learning all about the holiday of Purim. And so now we are going to start with a quick idea, which is an idea that comes from the Megillah, something that we've been doing recently in order to kind of explore the mysterious Megillah in, um, in more of a way. All right, so now we are going to start right now. And the Pasuk says, this, this is the second Pasuk in Megillah's Esther. It says, it says that Achashverosh, in those days when Achashverosh was able to sit down on his throne. And so this was, this was two years into his rule. So it says Rashi on the Pasuk, an idea that we're not really going to delve into so much. But he said that, that he sat down because he finally felt comfortable. He was afraid of assassination attempt for the first two years. He was very paranoid. But now he's like, okay, two, not, two years has gone by, nothing has happened. That's it, I'm gonna be fine, which is why he feels comfortable inviting everybody to his house without the fear of assassination attempt. That's not the idea that we're gonna go through today, even though I just said the full idea. And what, what we're gonna do is we're gonna go through a different idea, which is said in the Gemara Megillah, Megillah Yud Aleph Ahmed Beis. It says that this happened near the end, all of these events happened near the end of the, of the 70 year exile. However, for the first two years, Achashverosh was, was constantly paranoid that the seven years were going to come to an end, and then the Jews would, would miraculously be three. So he was always worried about, that's the number one thing that Achashverosh is concerned about. He's, he cares more about being the king than doing what a king should do, which is unfortunately, sometimes that's, sometimes that's seen a lot of times in politics, that people love to have the position, they don't like to do the job. And that's something that was mirrored with Achashverosh. But then, by the third year of his reign, Achashverosh was like, oh, Seems like the Jews aren't going to be redeemed. Seven years have ha- are, are, are now, and they haven't been redeemed. So clearly, their, their redeeming is not going to happen. He was not the first person to do this. But actually, the Babylonian king Belshazzar, who was Melch of Babel, he did the same thing. And he used the captured, um, he used the captured um, vessels of the, of the base of Mekdash. He used the kalim, and, and, he was, and he was dancing with them, and he made a party with them, and he died for that. Except for Achashosh said, Belshazzar counted wrong. He messed up. I'm going to count right. Um, and so if the Jews haven't been redeemed right now, they're never going to get redeemed. So he took out the kalim and he used them at his, at his feast. We know. How do we know that he used, that he used the kalim? Because it's, it's a strong rabbinic tradition that he used the kalim, which is seen. We actually, when we lane, when we lane in, in the Megillah and we're describing the kalim that are, that are used, we say we say in Pasuk Zayin we say Rashkos bechlizahav uvekelim mikelim kelim shonim. We say it. I probably messed it up because I've never learned Echa, but we say it in the tune of Echa, which talks about the destruction of the base of Mikdash, and it's a uh, it's and and so and so and so what we do is we do that um, in order to recognize that he used the kelim, he used the vessels from the base of Mikdash, and so and so he messed up. He thought that he was infallible. He thought that he could never make a mistake. And so Hashem's, Hashem's angel of punishment came and danced, says the Megillah, danced with the people there, which led to Achashverosh killing Vashti, killing his wife. So that is just an idea that we had on the Parsha. And now we're going to get into our Megillah. Baruch Hashem, the Megillah today is going to be a lot more fun than Megillah yesterday. And I'm sorry, the, the Mishnah today is going to be a lot more fun than the Mishnah yesterday. Obviously, all Torah is amazing. But um, something about uh, talking about Zav and Zava just doesn't rub me the, wrong, the right way. So now we're going to talk about Sfarim, something I do love. The Mishnah says there's no difference between the laws of preparing Sifrei Tanach, Torah to preparing the scrolls that are inside of, of every mezuzah, the, sh- the Shema that's inside of every mezuzah, 
and then also the passages of Shema that are inside every pair of tefillin. Except for that, according to this first opinion, according to the Tanakhama, um, these farm, these farm of Tanakh, the the of Torah and Vim Ketuvim, can be written by any language. With tefillin mezuzas, nichtavos ashras. But tefillin mezuzah, because you actually actively have to use paragraph of Shema inside of it in order to fulfill a mitzvah every day, a mitzvah daraisa, it's only able to be written in in Ashuris, which is a special type of Hebrew that they use, even to this day, to write in every Torah scroll, and also in every every pair of tefillin and every mezuzah. Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel, Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel disagrees with the first Tana who said that that you can write Tanakh in any language. He says, "Av is farm lohi tru lohi tru sheik tavu um sheik tivu um ella yivanis." He says that the Chachamim were talking about Tanakh. They said that the only foreign language that you're able to write it in, obviously you can write it in Hebrew, but the only foreign language that you can write it in, not Becholash, unlike the Tanakhama said, but he says Greek. Why Greek? So Noach had two sons, right? This actually makes sense. Noach had two sons. Shem, uh, three sons. Shem, Ham, and Yafes. Um, we know Ham was a little bit of a jerk face, but Yafes wasn't too bad, and Shem was great. He's our ancestor. That's where the, the, the phrase Semitic comes from. Um, Shem. Um, who is also ancestors of, of the Muslims, because we know that, um, that the, the, the Muslims come from, come from shame. And so, and so that's why it's called Semitic. Whenever it's talking about monotheistic people, they're called Semitic people. And so, so Yafes, he was the ancestor of all the Greeks. And, sh- and shame, like we said, was the ancestor of all the Jews. I apologize for that gust of wind. Like I mentioned, I'm filming this in Connecticut. Um, I apologize for that. So the Pasuk says in, in Beratius, it says Yafes, um, Yafes, he says, May Hashem grant beauty to Yafes. Um, and, and he says the beauty saying, saying the Greek language, because the Greek language was very beautiful. Um, and so they interpret the tense, the tense of shame. It says, um, and, and may he dwell in the tense of shame, Yafes. May, may the forebearer of the Greeks um, dwell in the, in, the tense, in the tense of shame. So he's saying tense, always says, um, when, when it's talking about Yaakov, says, Yoshev Ohalim. That's how you connote Torah study. It's when, you're, when you sit in the tents and learn. And so this is teaching us that we can use the Greek language, the beautiful Greek language, and we can use it just like the Pasuk says, that we use the gifts of Yafes in order to help us in our tents, that, that we can use the beautiful language of, of the Greeks in order to help enrich and beautify our Torah learning. And I hope that our Torah learning gets beautified over the next few weeks as we prepare for the holiday of Purim and I hope that you are excited because we're now one day closer to the holiday of Purim. Have a wonderful day.